Welcome to the Musical Movie Marathon, and I'm your host, David. And I'm his dad, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're a host as well. I'm a host as well. <laughs> um, and we are, we've just finished watching The Wizard of Oz, um, which we mentioned in the last episode was the uh, was sped along in its development because of the massive success of Snow White. Mm-hmm. And this musical has been no less impactful in the realm mm. of musicals or fantasy mm. movies mm. than Snow White has. And it's another interesting thing about it is that it's also a musical that is a movie first, I think. Yes. 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 So as a movie, as an experience tonight, how was it, Dad? Uh, yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, well worth watching again. Yeah, get it out and check it out and, and enjoy it all, all over again. Um, great, great themes, the virtues, of course. Uh, and yeah, really well made, yeah. Despite all the <laughs> all the background stories behind it, and of course the the good thing about well the the great thing about the Wizard of Oz um, is it's iconic. It has set uh, set the bar, set the tone. It has set the template, if you like, for other movies um, of that fantasy realm, to, of that fantasy genre, um, to follow. Yeah. And uh, for all of the wonderful things that can be said about this, and like the production, the fantasticalness, the catchy songs, Mm. there were so many ways in which this was really dated. (laughs) It was um, especially the munchkins. Mm -hmm. The munchkins were just, I found them really annoying. And (laughs) then uh, um, I I think the... Over the topness of the entire thing, mm. it got more over the top in not Wonderland in Oz, but even um, in the real world in Kansas as well. It was still very uh, OTT, um, still more realistically so, but still. And and um, a lot of the songs were annoying, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no reason for them to be in the movie. And and I struggle right now to see all of the thing all of the ways that this has impacted musicals um because even the structure apart from the i want song mm-hmm. is very dissimilar to a lot of musicals that i know you know um i love the motif of over the rainbow that was continued to repeat throughout the score mm-hmm. of yes, the movie was, yeah. that was great um, and the idea of having three different characters sing the same song in different ways, I liked that, and I, like I don't know if there's many musicals that do that. Mm. Um, th- there's also a straight... Every musical moment seems, like we were saying in Snow White, it seems to be an interlude of some sort. Um, mm. Do you have anything to comment on the agedness or the music? Right, okay, Mr. Black Hat, I'll wear the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> um, we seem to have these disagreements <laughs> now, podcast. Okay, so um, ways in which the uh, this movie has influenced other movies. Um, you said that the Munchkins were uh, annoying. I think that was one of the first things you said. And yet, I think the um, villagers in the movie of uh, the... Grinch with Jim Carrey 
got their design of these munchkins. The, their costumes, obviously they had um, extra makeup to, to make themselves look particularly different, um, but their costumes were very much like these munchkin costumes. Um, and there are lots of other ways in which... Um, I, I think in terms of um, the influence on, on pop culture, you know, almost 100 years later... Um, we still have so many references to things. So, so many of the lines mm-hmm. that we still use. We're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. <laughs> and so on. Um, the, the themes uh, have gone into other movies. Okay, so what kind of themes? Um, the idea that you are actually the, the solution to your problems and um, how you can solve them actually comes from within you. All you need to do is is learn the lessons that you have to learn. The idea of valuing the people around you and the place that you are in. The, the grass might appear to be greener on the other side of the fence, but that's only because you're on this side of the fence when you get on the other side. Oh, actually, Kansas wasn't so bad. I like the way that they used the sepia filter, if you like, on the Kansas scenes and then the, the colourfulness. Um, and that sort of over-the-top colour has been used in all sorts of um, places. Even, say, Moulin Rouge, which, you know, um, the the drab, dull uh, life of the writer was was almost sepia, <laughs> and then he becomes part of the, the windmill and, and the show and the Moulin Rouge, which, of course, is bright and colourful, and, and, of course, so there's, you've got that contrast there. Uh, the songs are not long, drawn-out songs like you might find in... S- and other musicals, they are very catchy. They, they really rely on the motif that goes with that song. And I think, yeah, okay, light motifs were made before this uh, in the Romantic period, but um, this show really uses them very well, mm. that you've got this light motif that goes with that character. Whenever you hear that character, da da da, da then you're going to get the witch or the whoever it's going to be. Mm. Uh, and that went right through, of course, as we know, to Star Wars, which had its own light motifs, the princess theme, the, um, the force theme and so on. So, yeah, the ideas that they put in here, they may not have been new, but they put them all together in a way that worked. By the way, George Lucas in uh, creating Star Wars went back and, hello, here we've got a tin man and we're using him. And we've got these three, this this small group of characters which are helping uh, the main character out, which is what we get in Star Wars um, and so on. Um, and, of course, we've got a quest. We've got to overcome the baddie to get the quest. Um, we've got a journey to take and, and we've got uh, troubles on the way and we've got, you know, characters that come and help us out at different times. Um, people aren't always welcome um, and people have got to prove their worth in order to speak. So there's a whole lot of great themes in here. And um, I did notice the the classic MacGuffin even finds its way in here. Now, the MacGuffin is, is, of course, if you don't know, the reason for the quest in the first place or, or a very important conflict in the story that is actually never resolved in the whole movie. And it's never resolved because the protagonist f- grows, the, the hero has completes his or her arc, and, and learns something new and becomes a different person um, and therefore usually the MacGuffin becomes unnecessary. Um, the MacGuffin in this one is the, we can presume the bad lady, um, wants to take away the dog. And we, uh, Dorothy has all his travels and the dog gets away all the time and she always, <laughs> him or he always comes back. And um, yeah, and then when she gets back home to Kansas, 
the lady isn't mentioned, and so that's an unresolved issue. Probably one of the um, most uh, famous MacGuffins was um, one of the war movies where they had to go and blow this bridge up, and they actually never did in the end because um, it, they didn't need to. Right. Um, yeah, so there are just some different ways in which this movie has inspired and have given ideas that other movies can take. Yeah, no, I completely agree with, with what you've said there. Just to clarify on a MacGuffin, a MacGuffin is a uh, an item or a subject that the main character is um, striving for that is interchangeable with anything else. The, uh, it doesn't matter what the MacGuffin is. That's the definition of a MacGuffin. I defer to your knowledge. That's all right. I've, I've seen a YouTube video about it. Oh, there it. you go. Wow. I'm, I must be the expert. <laughs> um, now, if and, you listen to a podcast, then I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the other comment I have about the songs is that there's really almost no showstoppers apart from that one at the start, mm -hmm. which is really interesting um, that you don't get the 11 o'clock number, you don't get the the romantic duet. There is no romance, which is a strange for a musical. Um, and you also have... <laughs> what are you doing, Dad? <laughs> I'm whistling all these showstopper songs. Dan, They're not showstoppers, <laughs> Dad. That's not the definition of a showstopper. Okay, what's the definition of a showstopper? Well, in my mind, at least, <laughs> a showstopper is defying gravity. Right, if we're going to compare ah, okay. witches, right? right. <laughs> this will be another insert, but I think I've figured out why the movie Wizard of Oz is not like a normal musical, and that's because the chorus don't sing along with the main characters. Um, it's not a group of singers telling the story, it's a group of filmmakers filming characters, and that plays a really big difference. Um, but the, the other thing was the there were a couple of songs, not many, but a couple of songs that, uh, especially in Munchkinland, and there was one in um, Emerald City as well, that they sang that I was not familiar with. Um, so I, I was familiar with... Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. I was familiar with Follow the Yellow Brick Road and If I Only Had a Brain and so on and Somewhere of the Rainbow. But um, there was a, another song that the Munchkins sang and another song that um, the Emerald City folk sang and they were unfamiliar to me and they were... I, I understood why because they were mm -hmm. forgettable songs. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing was that they, they were part of the setting more than they were part of the characters. And I think that's a really interesting aspect. When we left Munchkinland, I felt a sigh of relief because I felt like no one I met in Munchkinland was a real person. But then we met the Scarecrow. And meeting him, I've, I've, my heart was like, oh, finally, another character, you know? <laughs> um, but, but my point that I was trying to make, and I've rambled on, was that this is so dissimilar to normal musicals. Mm -hmm. And I think that you wouldn't have made a musical like this. This could only have been made as a movie. Um, mm. uh, yeah, that's my point. Mm, fascinating. It's really interesting because we've also been watching the Story of Musicals um, series, TV series, um, about British musicals um, from uh, the 1920s to the 1990s. Um, and the point that they made was that many of the successful movies were ones that broke the mould, were ones that um, didn't do 
what the um, didn't follow the formula, didn't, and of course the critics didn't like it because they didn't do that, but the people did like it because it was new and different. So yeah, I think one of the reasons that The Wizard of Oz has been so popular as a story, um, as a film and a musical, is because uh, it um, it has a whole lot of pathos. Um, you identify with the feeling of wanting to get away. You identify with um, the the feeling of being trapped by uh, people who are being nasty. Um, you identify the, the feeling of not being supported by those around you. And then, of course, there's the adventure. I want us to focus on why these movies are musicals, why these musicals are movies, and if they work as both. Okay. And mm. so... Mm. Okay, so in terms of um, Wizard of Oz being a good musical, what I like about it is, or one of the things I like about it, is that the songs are catchy and they um, do inspire um, the characters to do something particular. Um, some of the songs are descriptive, such as uh, the songs of the Scarecrow, the Tin Man and the Lion. And so they're describing their plight, or if you like, of their their I want songs, but others are quite, you know, move the story along, like follow the yellow brick road or the celebration that the witch is dead or things like that. I think the songs have at least one sentiment and one catchy phrase, musical phrase, which people can take away and use uh, in their own lives. So I'm going to stick to the path. I'm going to follow through on what I started. And, and when I I deviate off the path as Dorothy did, then I'm in trouble. Um, I'm going to be loyal to my friends, um, no matter what happens to them. So there's those sorts of things that can come through uh, those songs. So I think as a musical, uh, those songs actually help story and they communicate a message which can outlast the musical. Fascinating. Um, I think that the songs were... Um, interesting to think about the suspension of disbelief and the way that the uh, songs were used as part of the story is these characters really singing. Mm. So, but at the same time, they were not singing because it was a song that they already knew, but it was as if they were making up that song. In, in the conversation. And so that's that's slightly different to Snow White, we were saying. You know, Whistle While You Work seems to be a song that she learnt when she was a kid and she's just repeating it now. Mm-hmm. Whereas these, like Somewhere Over the Rainbow, seems to be just her breaking out into song because she feels mm. like it. Mm. She's just making it up. Mm. And, um, you know, you could imagine that, oh, no, she she must have known this song before and now she's singing. But mm. there's nothing in the film to indicate that. Unlike in Showboat. Mm. Um, and then when you have th- this idea of these characters really breaking out into song, not only in the fantasy land, it happened a lot in the fantasy land, but also a lot in, well, just once, in that, in that real, in the Kansas sequence. It's it adds a different dynamic to it being a musical. And and would you like to comment on that different dynamic or...? How, what creates a different dynamic? The fact that these characters breaking out into song oh. have no reason to. Mm-hmm. Re- no, they, they have no reason to do um, 
to, to, to sing as opposed to... Well, they do, you know, in the, in the narrative, I suppose you you could be say that, right, it's the emotional level, right? Mm-hmm. Like Gene, I think it was Gene Kelly who said it, but it might have been someone else who said that when in a musical, when your emotions are too strong for dialogue, you sing, and when your emotions are too strong for singing, you dance, <laughs> yeah. right? And so... Sounds like something he'd say. Yeah. Um, that's the type of thing that, um, that this musical seems to employ, mm. but the characters aren't... S- self-aware of their singingness mm-hmm. apart from that one weird thing but before i get to that weird thing what are you, what are your thoughts uh um thoughts about the how how the magicalness influences the popularity of the musical no not really thoughts about how well maybe maybe it's just my ramble and maybe it doesn't make any sense no, no, no. Just just repeat your question, then I'll okay. answer it. What are your thoughts about the reason that they sing? The fact that oh. it's unrealistic. Their their entire the entire film is set in a world in which people can break out into song, as opposed to set in the real world. I, th- I yeah, I think it's great. I think it gives it um, license um, because in the real world we're far too sensible and far too. Um, not necessarily shy, but aware of the fact that breaking out into song whenever we want to isn't necessarily going to be socially acceptable. The the other thing is that we shouldn't necessarily always get carried away by our emotions. I think because they're in uh, an, uh, sort of an unreal or a super real world, that they're okay to do that. Um, the first event, of course, that brings out a song in Oz is the the arrival of Dorothy, the death of the Witch of the East, and the summoning of the Witch of the North uh, by the Munchkins, who are supremely happy that um, the person who had been um, preventing them from living the lives they wanted to is now passed away. And so that is a cause for celebration, and they, they take that. Um, and if you like, that sets the tone that, you know, when you feel strongly about something, you're allowed to sing, it's okay. Um, because you're in that magical world. Um, and when she comes back to Kansas, she doesn't sing. And and there's no final um, chorus number as you might have in, in an opera or something like that. So, yeah, I think the fantasy world gives the filmmakers licence to do things that we might find awkward in real life. I agree. And I think the other thing that adds licence is the f- the childishness of the main character. And like I mm. said with Snow White as well, mm. because Dorothy is a child, she can break out into song on a hay bale, right? The other weird moment that... Oh, but, sorry, to mention that, that is the childishness that helps transition into the fantasy world very well. Um, the, the strange moment <laughs> was when they were walking through... The the field mm-hmm. that happened to, you know, cover the yellow brick road for a certain portion. And I think it was after they were rescued. And as they were going up to the green door of the Emerald City, they heard a song. They heard a choir of sopranos mm-hmm. singing something. I can't remember what. Mm-hmm. And they stopped and they looked at the sky as if to wonder where the voices were coming from. <laughs> and then they continued on. And this is not the type of movie to be self-referential. Mm. And so I took that moment to be there were real voices mm. 
in the world, in the world mm. that these real characters are not these actors making fun of the world they're in, but mm. these real characters within the world were noticing these voices and wondering where they are. And that was so weird. <laughs> yep, yep, I agree. It was um, because in all other musical aspects, obviously apart from the instrumental background music, um, you know, the singers have become obvious and evident and um, their reason for singing has become um, important to the story, except this one time. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I can understand how that's a bit weird. Anything else you want to add about uh, The Wizard of Oz? Oh, yes. In terms of uh, The Wizard of Oz being a musical, um, I have seen The Wizard of Oz um, performed on stage um, almost exactly as... No, not quite. Yeah, almost exactly um, as the, the movie... And it's very successful. It's fun. You know, you've got this witch in green. You've got these, um, the, the trio of, of uh, comrades being hilarious. Um, you've got Dorothy being sweet and, um, you know, whatever, however you want to represent the dog is the way of doing that. Um, yeah, you know what's going to happen. You know the story. You know the setting. And, um, and it's, it just takes you back into that. That wonderful thing. I think one of the things I wanted to say, which you might cut out later, is um, the context of the show is, <coughs> excuse me, this came out in 1939. And the big event, of course, of 1939 was the outbreak of World War Two. So the, the context of this is that this movie um, is probably the most important part of the theme of this movie is hope. That you no, know, um, the Dorothy is suffering. The Munchkins are suffering. Um, the three characters are suffering. Um, comrades are suffering, um, and you've you've got these no-win situations. These these apparently hopeless situations, um, and in a way, the uh, story tellers are saying we need hope, and we need heart, and we need courage. And we need to value our home, and we need loyalty, and all those, and we need um, ingenuity, um, and all those good things, and we need each other mm. um, in order to overcome the the perils that we face. And and it, while yes, there was a blitzkrieg, and and yes, uh, the forces moved in very quickly. Um, the the build up to the World War Two was very evident, and and people knew what was coming, and they could see. Um, and and so coming out with a movie like this at a time like that was absolutely brilliant. Um, not because it was just a commercial success, which was <laughs> good timing, but also because it offered that um, those lessons, but particularly hope um, to uh, you know the the world that we're looking to um, to fight a great oppressor. Mm. Yeah, looking at this and knowing what you said makes me understand a little bit more why the fifties looked so much like this, mm. is that people who had finished the war, they were looking for some, they were looking for this ideal, mm. which Oz seemed to, not only Oz, but also the portrait of Kansas, seemed to portray this idea of, of bright colours and hope and goodness mm. and virtue. And, and so that seemed to, this movie has, did, didn't only colour it's immediate following, but also the, the years after. The other thing structure, structurally that I'd be interested mm-hmm. to comment on is that 
action, especially the second half of the movie, mm-hmm. didn't take place through song. And what was what I found in this as well is is, is yeah, quite fascinating, interesting, intriguing, intriguing is the word I'll use. That songs are used almost solely for character motivation exposition Mm. and that to me is slightly surprising but not quite like i understand there's a lot of that in a lot of musicals that action doesn't actually happen through the song and it would be strange would be really really strange for the action Mm. to happen through song especially Mm. if we were trying to be in the real world Mm. right it doesn't but the other thing is action through dance action very rarely happens in the real world through dance if ever it almost never does and so when you are trying to tell uh, a story that's relatable you don't use the form of dance or song to portray events that happen but you use it's it's easier to accept a song if it is a personal song or or it's about a particular character and their feelings Mm. rather than Mm. um, the actual events taking place. Mm. Because, yeah, yeah, because in our hearts, I think that we we have these songs that are about ourselves and about people that we know and about characters or things that we want, but we don't sing about events as much. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any comments on that in this movie and musicals mm. in general? Mm, yeah, definitely. It's quite interesting because you said it's different from a lot of musicals and yet it has three very clear acts um, where the, the first, I was surprised just how long we stayed in Kansas. Um, it's, it's a very long segment um, and there is only one song in it and that's her I Want song that comes at the end-ish most clear, close to the end of that act, if you like. Um, and then the, the musical, it's actually pretty much only the middle uh, act. Um, so where she finds herself in Oz and she um, carries on through. In fact, the last song, I think, is, is the one where she comes into Emerald City. Um, and that's when we start the third act. Suddenly she's got to go to the forest of the... <laughs> of the witch, no matter somewhere, wherever that is, and then she's got to get back from that and, and all that stuff. Um, and that, there's no songs, and it's, it's drama. Yes, it's fantasy drama, um, and it's, there's danger and all sorts of adventure and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, three very clear. And that supports what you were saying about that the, um, the serious action um, doesn't actually have songs and because it's serious. Um, an interesting contrast which um, you may wish to include is that um, I remember we were doing Beauty and the Beast on stage and there's a part where the villagers um, attack the castle and uh, our director was a dancer and so he um, choreographed that music, uh, the, the action and that, as a dance. And it's it, I remember the producer saying... That was a very strange decision to make, you know, and um, they weren't actually that happy with it because they felt it was a really serious moment. Um, and and here, the fact that they had dance sort of lightened it, made it less serious. So that's that's another interesting take on that. However, we've just seen Sister Act uh, on stage, and um, they made. Uh, good fun of um, a serious moment when the baddies are in the abbey 
um, hunting down um, Dolores and, and they made it like a, a Benny Hill um, chase and, and it was a lot of fun. So um, I think I think the lesson is, yes, you dance can um, make something serious, uh, make, make something not as serious. I th- personally, I think dance can also make things serious, but um, generally in a musical, that's not how it's used. It's it's used to make things lighter and, and more fun. Mm, yeah, and and I agree with that. I think that that's generally what dance does. Mm. The notable exception to that is Oklahoma, mm-hmm. of course. That little mm. that ballet in the middle of the mm. musical. Mm. But again, that's a particularly that's a ballet moment. They mm. they switch from being a musical into being a ballet just for that mm. thing. And and it's not even very balletic, mm. but it it still people talk about that as the ballet scene, even though there's not much ballet dance, real, mm. it's it's more lyrical and more um, suggestive than it is dancing, um, at least in my mind, um, the, my recollection of it. Yep, okay, so I've got something to say about that. Which, um, and again, the, the musicals of around that time, the 1950s, so we've got from Gene Kelly's kind of musicals and, and others, often included that kind of, dance break that the little segment of 10-ish minutes maybe five where you've got um uh, famous dancers like Sid Charisse um, um doing a ballet-ish or ballet-esque um kind of dance a dream sequence um and you'll see it in um such iconic movies as Singing in the Rain um and and there are other ones like that as well so um and if we're talking about dance, which we are, um, I was surprised that there was so little dance in The Wizard of Oz. Mm. Um, with the Munchkins, we've got sort of choreographed movement of groups where they're marching. Um, there are a few steps here and there, but not many really. Um, at Emerald, Emerald City with the, um, the city folk, no dance. Uh, we've got lots of singing and, and movement, and uh, but no actual dance. And um, the uh, the dance steps were actually the steps that the four travellers took on the real yellow brick road, and and there were definitely choreographed steps there. Um, hey, I've got to say, a shout out to that straw man, that scarecrow, brilliant personification of a scarecrow. Um, he, I, I don't know of any steps that he took that were actually straight up steps Every, everything he was he was tripping over his own feet the whole show it was just brilliant yeah amazing yeah uh, that's a really interesting point you bring up about the dance in The Wizard of Oz and I think that goes to show the type of musical that is mm-hmm. and I think that we were, we mentioned this before when um, you corrected my um, comment about Les Mis and you said that that's really an opera and mm-hmm. like Jesus Christ Superstar is a rock mm-hmm. opera and Joseph again is a pop opera mm. in, in that you've got um, modern music but the structure and the form is one without dialogue mm. and that and like I was saying before about the form of a ballet coming into and inserting itself into Oklahoma mm. um, and so it stops being a musical for a moment and starts being a ballet and then it picks up starts being a musical again mm. that the form of the thing we're watching is really helpful for the audience's acceptance of 
the of whatever happens in it. So mm. if it's a musical, you expect dialogue and you don't expect the action to happen through song and dance mm. much. You mm. expect these character moments mm. to be mm. s- sung mm. um, and you expect some sort of justification in the real world for the reason why they're singing. Yeah. Like the the just pure celebration mm-hmm. or um, longing or something. Some strong emotions of some sort. That's right. Strong emotions of some sort. And the opera form, like Les Mis, Miss Saigon, and all of those, mm-hmm. um, they they don't need that same excuse because the characters mm. are singing the whole time, mm. um, and that's. I th- I think a lot more rare in movies mm. and a lot rarer for that type of movie to do well mm. or to be a good movie. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Oh, by the way, um, your observation of the sort of the ballet-esque breakout in the 1950s movies, that's actually um, got a precedent in opera. Oh. So in, in opera, there is often a sort of a, a pause in the story for, I don't know, a dozen, a half a dozen um, dancers to do the ballet mm. that goes with the opera. Right. Um, and, yeah, so you'll often find, not every opera, but um, many operas have that sort of ballet break. And it is it's a, a proper ballet, not, n- not a modern contemporary yeah. Um, dance. Uh, yeah, it, so an, um, a representation of that in modern times would be with the Phantom of the Opera, where um, you've got an opera company putting on an opera and they have a ballet mistress who's um, right. uh, who, who is in charge of the mm. ballet dancers mm. who, you know, she berates. <laughs> That's one example of that. And I think La La Land is another example of that same trope being repurposed or reused in, in that movie. Um yeah, I think that's that's an intentional callback that La La Land made to the 1950s movies. And, and that's really interesting that operas have the same. Mm. And it just makes me wonder why... Because when I'm watching ballets, mm-hmm. I wonder why no one's singing, <laughs> you know? and, and I, or, or talking. And, and I, I think, wouldn't it just be amazing if this dance was told with singing was and mm. so you had that combination mm. and why operas don't import it will have more dancing in them is mm. is strange to me but again i think that that's really hard to portray on screen in a realistic way mm. or in a in a believable way because well the screen is is all about more true to lifeness mm. but the the wizard of oz manages to be this strange feature that is uber fantastical mm-hmm. um, and you just fall into it, you have to accept it. I think it's up for a, a remake if, if, if it's... But so many people love this movie so much mm-hmm. and this particular movie as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just the story, it's not just the mm-hmm. songs, it's this... And I know why, it's this production mm-hmm. is just amazing. Those Tin Man, Lion, mm-hmm. Scarecrow costumes were just mm-hmm. incredible. The mm-hmm. special effects that they used for the house, mm-hmm. for the uh, for the, the hurricane, for the magic, mm-hmm. the crystal ball in the witch's... Mm-hmm. Place her flying on the br- all mm. of that was just amazing. The, the, even the even the bubble, mm. um, 
they were just really good special effects and really good um, practical effects. And that is what people love about The Wizard of Oz, I think, almost as much, if not more than, the songs. Um, apart from that one song, Over the Rainbow, and I think the context that you were saying is, is also really uh, important for the impact of this show. Again, it's like Snow White, it's one of those features which the definitive version is a movie and is one particular mm. movie. Mm. Do you have any thoughts about mm. a remake of this before we... or any thoughts of everything what I've said? Yeah, yeah, uh, two thoughts. Um, a quick one about the remake. I, I don't think... Yeah, nah. Um, I, I, this, is, uh, this movie is so iconic that um, a, a remake just wouldn't work. Um, yes, okay, so the, uh, the Wiz, um, and there's some other bits and pieces... But yeah, no, just not the same. You'd have to be very, very different in order to give it a go. Um, and really, you couldn't really remake it. Uh, and the second thing, the last thing um, I want to say is we, we cannot underplay how um, important that song is and was. It, it was the definitive song for her career, Judy Garland's career. It's one of the few songs that is in the the catalogue of every singer of every voice um, type, SATB, we've all got to learn that song at some point and figure out how we're going to do that massive octave leap, um, figure out how we're going to do the pathos that um, that Judy Garland set. And we, of course, play a jazz version of that with just incredibly weird chords, um, and that works really well. So um, it, we've heard it as duets. Um, it, it is iconic. Um in many ways, it's actually, yeah, I'd go so far as to say it, the song is actually bigger than the movie. Mm. And there are a few songs like that in different movies, and this is one of them. Um, so, yeah, we, we cannot underplay the importance of that song. Um, I remember you said, you know, why have they got that song right at the start? It's the, the big, massive showstopper of a song, <laughs> even if it's not a chorus. And it, it is. It's the exposition. It, it sets up not just the story, but also um, the character that this we've seen the, the conflicts that she's facing and there are several and then she wishes for this this summary but by the way another thing to say is that she never wanted to leave Kansas she just wanted to leave her troubles mm. so um, yeah and, and she thought that um, by leaving home she would leave her troubles behind which of course is not the case um, but yeah, awesome song, wonderful movie. Go check it out again and enjoy it again in, in all its historical um, mm. <laughs> form now. Um, and yeah, and if you might find yourself whistling in the songs afterwards. Yeah. I am so glad that we've watched this movie partly so that we can compare it to other movies mm. um, close to this and also uh, more modern as well. Mm. Um, yep, well, that's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> Sorry, did I just repeat that? It really is the first iconic live-action movie musical mm. uh, in my books. Uh, you, you might argue that there were other black-and-white movie musicals before that which were really important. Yeah, but this one is the biggie. 
This one is the biggie. And I wondered that about Snow White as well. I actually inserted a little bit uh, into the podcast that we didn't go into the evening of. But why was Snow White an, a musical? Why wasn't it just a cartoon with dialogue and no songs? Mm. And I, I gave my thoughts there, but I, I wonder the same thing here. Why is this a musical? Why isn't it just uh, a movie the, mm. with with no songs and just mm. dialogue? Yeah, because it's a children's story and because it's in a fantastical land and it gives the opportunity to show these strong emotions um, through wonderful music and, and it does it so well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Should we say goodnight now? For real? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, we don't have to. No, we can fine. keep it. Yeah. I've, I've finished. You were good. Okay. Well, that, that is good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. <laughs>